Amen. There have been things spoken over your lives. We're going to take a moment. I want to, I want to listen to that word. I want to sink it in. And I'm going to preach in a moment. We're going to shift the order of service of a bit around. But what has God spoken over you this morning? What are the words that he's spoken over you? What are the promises that he's given you? What are the, the pictures that he's shown you? What are the dreams that he's given you in the night? I want you to think of those. I want you to, to, to visualize those. I want you to see them right now in your, in your mind's eye. And this song was singing. He's never failed me. He's never failed me. He's never failed me. He's never failed me, and he will not start now. You have that picture in your mind's eye. He's never failed you. I'm here to tell you right now, he has never failed you, and he will never start to fail you. So, Father, we stand in agreement with that word this morning, and we declare it, and we agree with it, and we speak it right now and say, as you have shown it, as you have declared it, as you have spoken it, as you've given it in a dream, Lord, we accept it, we proclaim it, and we declare it right now, and we receive that right now. In your precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Just stay on the piano for a minute, Olivia. There's, there's a real strong, heavy presence of God here this morning. And one of the definitions of, of glory is weight. If you, if you study the scriptures, you'll find out one of the aspects of glory is his weight. And sometimes there's a heaviness, not in a negative sense, but just in a weighty sense that you just, I just feel it. Have you gone into a place before in a negative setting where you've almost said that you could cut it with a knife? That might be a negative, but I also believe that has an aspect in the positive. That his presence is so thick and strong that it's like you could cut it in knife. You know, there's verses in the Old Testament where it says the priests could not stand to minister because of God's presence. And this morning, I, I want to take an advantage of what God is doing. You, you can sit down, Olivia. Thank you. Um, children, the, the youngest Sunday school class, you, you may be dismissed now. And it is 11-12. Who's, who's teaching that class? Cleo and Karen? Okay, it's 11-12. I want you to bring the kids back at 5 to 12. Okay? So five minutes before 12 o'clock... If you could bring the children back and, and the, the lead usher, if you could remember that so that you go back a few minutes early and, and have the children come back. We're going to have our announcements and our offering at that time, and I want our children to be a part of that. Do you know our children are the church of today? They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of now, and I love our kids Hallelujah. I just feel stirred in my spirit right now. What was the theme? Did, did anybody catch a theme or a word during worship that they felt maybe the worship was about? And, and it's not a right or wrong answer, but did anybody catch something? Give thanks. Confidence. Grace and glory. Remember what God has done. He'll do it again. God will speak to us in worship.
And when he does that, it's very important that we take some time to think about it, to meditate on it. And it just so happens that the sermon that I have prepared this morning is very much along that line, and that's why I wanted to take advantage of the presence of God and the atmosphere, and I'd like to take a few moments to preach this morning and to share with you, I want your faith to grow. That was a good spot for an amen. amen. I want your faith to grow. Who here could use some better faith, more faith? Do you know the disciples, they had faith, and their faith continued to grow? There's a few instances where they say, increase our faith. And yet they were around Jesus all the time. Please do not think you have reached the ultimate in faith. Because what you have done is you've just put a limit on God. And you've just told him, I've reached it all, I've figured it all out, and now this is what... And God wants to do exceeding, abundantly, above and beyond what you could ask or think. And I like that because I'm a crazy thinker. Have you ever had a child ask you ridiculous things? When they do that, just think of what that's like to ask Heavenly Father. And he says, he says, you know, if you're parents and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your Heavenly Father want to give that to you? I believe we live below the limit of what God has for you. I believe it. I'm, I'm, I am pushing that limit. I... I don't want to be put in a box. I want to push the limit of what God has for me. And I believe that when I read his word, I see promise after promise after promise after promise of what he wants to give and do for his children. And some of those promises don't just come like a gift wrapped in a nice red bow. Sometimes those promises come through effort, through pushing, through not giving up, through sustaining and not saying I'm going to give up but pushing through. And so for the last couple months, we've been looking at the process, and part of the sermon this morning is I want to frame it in context of the process, but what I want to talk today about is meditation. What are you thinking about? Last week, I talked about faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And I would submit to you that you could leave that last portion of that sentence off because faith comes by hearing. People hear things and that's what they start to believe. If it's a lie, they will believe it. Repetition is powerful. People are conquered through what they hear and not through a physical force. People are subdued because they've heard it over and over and over and over again. And after a while, you know what? I just hear it in my head and I believe it. And we have done that and we've accepted lies. And this morning, God is here and he's speaking to us and he says, Remember, have confidence in what I have. I've got some glory for you. Think about these things. Praise me. Why? Because he has some good things for his children. And this morning, I want to build your faith because I believe the promises of God are a yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I was studying yesterday and I came, I I like Hebrew words. I, I love the Hebrew language. I do not know the Hebrew language. But there are some study helps. And one of the aspects of the Hebrew language is it's a very picturesque language. So it will have a picture associated with the word. So the word priest. And in this house, I am a priest in this house. You are actually priests. When you look at it in the scriptures and you look in the New Testament, you are a royal priesthood. But in the Old Testament, the model or the picture of a priest in the Old Testament 
was somebody who wanted to show you the heart of yes. Think about that. The picture of the priest in the Old Testament was somebody who was to reveal the heart of the yes. And what is the yes? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about God. So this morning, that's going to be my mission is to show you the heart of yes. And that's something each one of you can do as a royal priesthood. It's not just three steps up onto the stage and now you ascend to being a minister. You are ministers where you are. The priesthood of every believer. And so this morning, I want to open up the scriptures a little bit and I want to build your faith so that you will see Jesus, God, our Father, and Holy Spirit in a way that will ignite your faith and cause you to go after things that maybe other people say are impossible. Do you know Roger Bannister? Anybody here heard of Roger Bannister? He is the first athlete to run the mile under four minutes. And I heard this this week, and I, I knew that he was the first guy to, to run a sub-four-minute mile, but the explanation was pretty amazing. In fact, if you go to Vancouver, um, the old Empire Stadium has a statue of Roger Bannister because that was the first time two athletes ran the mile in less than four minutes, and it's an amazing picture because the guy he ran it with looked behind him to see where Roger was, and Roger passed him. And both of them broke the four-minute mile. And that was in 1954. But that was in August, and he ran the sub-four-minute mile in May of 1954. And you say, well, what does that have to do with faith? The science had studied, and scientists had actually shown and come up to this explanation that man was not physically capable of running faster than a four-minute mile. Science. Science had come to this explanation and conclusion, and they had studied it, and they said the physique of man, the physical attributes of man, it is impossible for man to run a sub-four-minute mile. Roger Bannister did not listen to that. And what's amazing is after he did it, within six weeks, a second individual did it. And what's amazing is within six months of him doing it, the two did it in the same race. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes we have lived according to a lie. We have lived according to what other people have said because they've been hurt, they've been disappointed, they've studied it incorrectly, they've got a wrong picture of God, they've got this funny idea, they've got what they've experienced and they put that on me, they put that on you and we have taken their word instead of taking this word and we have lived subpar of what God wants you and I to live. And this morning in worship, God is just hitting me. And he's hitting me. And he's hitting me. What have I said? What have I said? Past, uh, Brother Howard comes to me and he says, I just, it was just very simple. God's, God's given us things. We got to declare it. We got to speak it. What has God said? Not what has man said. Don't. I, I love Pastor Nelson because there's one, one of the biggest things he's taught me is don't just do what everybody else does for the sake of doing what everybody else does. And he is constantly saying, what is God saying? Sometimes to the point where it frustrates me because it's like, well, this is what I think. No, what does God say? What does God say? What does God say? Because what he says is truth. And I will stand on that. I'm amazed because in the scriptures, there's people in the scriptures that said, you know what? Our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to move. The, four, the, the three Hebrew guys, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. He, <laughs> they said, you know what? Our God will hit to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Sometimes we think we have to have the answer and the solution, and therefore we won't. Will you stand firm on his word even if you don't see it happening yet? I will stand on his word, and I don't care. If I go down, I will not stop believing what his word says. Because his word is truth, and let every man be a liar. Man, I'm getting worked up, and I haven't even opened up the scriptures yet. I'm stirred. I am stirred. Because what we have here, right now, in this body and in this building, can change Abbotsford. It can change Langley. It can change Chilliwack. It can change Mission. It can change British Columbia. Because we've got more than 12. Jesus just took 12 and look what he did. And I've counted. My counting is accurate. We're more than 12. <laughs> you go where your thoughts take you. You go where your thoughts take you. Learn how to make your thoughts your servant and not your slave. I will not be a slave to my thoughts, but I will dictate my thoughts. Because it's in here, and what's in here tells what's up here what to do. I want to... I want, I want to show you some verses this morning. I want to end with seven verses, and I want you to take notes because those seven verses, I believe, this week, if you look at it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you will see a change in your life. And I'm just going to give you seven verses today. I'm going to give you some thoughts, and then I'm going to give you seven verses, and I'm going to be done before 12 o'clock. But I believe that this will impact you. Do you know there's over 1,189 chapters in the Bible? Does anybody know how many words are in the Bible? More than 12. <laughs> Almost 800,000. 790,000 some odd words in the Bible. Do you know how many books are in the Bible? 66, Route 66. You can always remember it by those... <laughs> I take Route 66. I think that was a biblical song. <laughs> There's 39 and 27. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Do you know how many chapters there are? I just told you, but 1,189. <laughs> You were going to say that. Yeah, that's my brother for you. Do you, know how many, do you know how many verses are in the Bible? That's how many words. There's 31,000 plus verses in the Bible. And so why am I saying that? That's a lot of verses. And this week, I'm just going to give you seven verses to meditate on for the week. Out of 31,000. Even the begats are powerful. Even, even he begat him and she begat this. They're even powerful because you see God's hand and his care about generations and family. So I want to take a look at the word meditate this morning. What are your predominant thoughts? This morning... Our thoughts were challenged in worship to change my perspective and to remember what Christ has done. He's done it. He did it once and for all. And in worship this morning, we were challenged to remember and recite and to declare his words and to speak them and to receive what he's done. 
And I am amazed at our predominant thoughts. Because I've had them. One of my predominant thoughts, I get a flat tire, and my, one of my first thoughts is, or was, oh, I must be doing something wrong. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, I got a flat tire. Oh, well, I guess I must be doing something wrong. No, you just drove over a nail. Like, it's like, you know, it happens. Life happens. Well, you know, or if things are going really good. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and things have gone so well for them in two days in a row and they've just said this and this, and then they say, yeah, but you know Murphy's Law. I don't believe in Murphy's Law. I believe in God's law. And what we do, our predominant thought is, well, I guess I just deserve it. Well, it's gone so good, just wait for something bad to happen. And we condition ourselves to accept something less than what God has for us. I hope I'm stirring some of you. I hope I'm making some of you think bigger than you've thought before. I hope I'm, ex- I'm causing you to expand your cerebral thoughts and to make you think, you know what, maybe it just might be possible. What if this word actually is true? Because for 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, all I've heard is, no, you need this, you need this, you need this. And I'm here to tell you in a 35, 45-minute period of what God wants to do for your life. But I, my prayer is that your mind would go large. I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather you think the crazy, impossible thoughts and come to my office and go, what happened and we can study it and see what, what God's Word says, then you live according to what man has to say. I'd rather see a bunch of believers believing for the crazy, impossible things and coming and saying, you know what, I'm believing for this, but it didn't quite happen, and then we tweak it and we understand why. Because it says in James, we, ask, we have not because we ask not, and then when we do ask, we want to put it on ourselves and get it all for our own. It's not about my glory, it's about His glory. But I'd rather have people call me and say, this is what I'm believing for, and this is what happened. What's going on? I'd rather have that than somebody come to me Sunday morning and say, well, yeah, I just believed it was going to rain, and it rained, and it's just terrible, and life is just a... And it, it, woe is me. I'd rather have people going, you know what, God's Word says this, so I'm going to believe it. And you know what? I will stand beside you, and I will cheer you on. Because we'll never see the impossible happen if we accept the possible. We'll never see it. We'll never see lives transformed if we don't believe God can do it. I'd rather be one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Now, that doesn't mean you come to church once every three years. That means that you spend time in his house because he can do more in one day. He can do more like that, then even I could tell you what to do. Because it's not, it's what he can do. I'm getting wound up here. What does the word meditate mean? I'm going to read you a definition because this is amazing. Because we think sometimes meditation means folding my legs and coming up and going, hmm. It's, it's, and, and, and actually, I don't, I don't believe a lot of believers know what meditation means. And because of what New Age and everything else promotes, we don't even want to meditate. I'm here to tell you, you need to meditate on God's Word. Because you're meditating on something. Can we be honest? We're meditating on something. It might as well be God's Word. It's like, like, well, meditate on I'm a worm or meditate on I'm a child of the King. Meditate on, you don't deserve it because you don't deserve it. Or meditate on, ah, I get what I don't deserve because I've got His grace. Meditate on, well, you deserve what you got. Or meditate on, oh, His mercy gives me what I don't deserve. 
we're going to meditate on something we, we do. Except for some guys. Some guys we can actually think about nothing. But generally speaking, we think about something. You're thinking right now. And some of you are sitting here right now going, I want to believe. Some of you right now are going, I want to believe. But. Well, I want to show you some scriptures. And it says in the Bible, have a childlike faith. Have a childlike faith. That, that I, I'm amazed we get to see our grandson so often. And his childlike faith is when he wants something, he just comes and he doesn't even speak English properly. He just goes, ah, ah, ah. And then he grabs your hand and he takes you where he wants to go. Don't overcomplicate faith. Believe. You do it all the time. I do it all the time. The question is, what do I believe? A meditation affects belief. The, the definition, it's a Hebrew word, and I just love this. It means to moan. Meditate means to moan. Well, if you're going to moan about something, you might about moan over his word. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm just going to moan that. I'm going to mutter it. One of the words means to mutter or growl or utter. Another word means to murmur. Have you ever spoken under your breath? Husbands and wives know what that's all about. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever spoken God's word under your breath? What you're doing is you're meditating. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. I just made a mistake, but God, I'm so thankful that you forgive me of my sins and you help me and you direct me. I'm so thankful, God, that you took my sins away. He doesn't keep a record of them. He took my sins and he removed them. So when I make a mistake and I make a faux pas and I do something wrong, I'm so thankful for your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace that keeps me and picks me up. Sometimes I think what we mutter under our breath, we don't want anybody else to hear. But to meditate means to moan, growl, utter, muse, mutter, meditate, devise, plot, speak, roar, growl. Imagine. Those are all words that play into the thought of the word meditate. And that word meditate is found in Joshua 1.8 and Psalm chapter 1. And we'll get to those. It's, a, it's used a number of times. I'm not talking about sitting on a chair and trying to fold your legs in a certain way and hold your hands. No, I'm just talking about what are you thinking about when you drive the car? What are you thinking about when you're walking into an office to do something? What are you thinking about when you're looking at contract negotiations? Is the Word of God, is His Word percolating inside of you? Meditate. The word picture, I talked a little earlier about a Hebrew word picture. Here's a word picture for you. I just love this. The Hebrew word picture for meditate. Now this one, I made. So I could be wrong. But there's words, there's letters in the Hebrew language and each letter represents a picture or a thought. And there's three letters in the Hebrew language for the word um, meditate. And the picture that comes from it is what comes from what you lift up and call attention to. The word meditate, the picture of is what comes from what you lift up and you pay attention to. I believe when we meditate on God's Word, we'll get God's Word. That was another place for an amen. I believe when we meditate on God's Word, we will get God's Word.
So I've got seven verses for you. Oh, here's a thought. I'm pulling up Pastor Daniel. He was laughing really loud at me when I said, oh, here's a thought. The size of your God is revealed in the size of the prayers that you pray. I think Dr. Tracy posted that this week, and I just, the size of your God is revealed in the size of your prayers. The way you live reveals the size of your God. I live in a world of the impossible. That's where I live. Not that it's impossible, but I live in the world of the impossible. I don't live in just the world of the possible. I live in the world of the impossible. Because when I look at the word impossible, I put God into that word. And the first two letters are, I am possible. So that's where I choose to live. Where do you live? Bradley and Veronica, don't live just where the doctors tell you. Don't just live there. That may be some aspect there, but don't just live there. When, when Pastor Winona and myself, we'd go see the doctor, we'd walk out of there and we said, that's what the doctor says, but this is what God says. And I appreciate doctors. They're wise. They've studied. They've got wisdom. they got practical knowledge. But they are not the truth. His word is the truth. Okay. Seven verses. These are for each day of this week. The first one is Isaiah 55 verse 11. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I've got a little bit of time. It's about 22 in 15 minutes, I will be done. The children will be back, and we will have our offering and our announcements. But Isaiah 55, verse 11. I'd like you to write these down. Those of you who have a pen and a paper with you, write these down because these are verses that I want to encourage you to meditate on or to think about this week. You might have other verses, but I'm just giving you some verses that, that as I was studying, God gave me. And a great way to do it is just pick one a day. Another way, and you might want to write this down, is there's a great, there's, there's some amazing resources available on the internet. One of them is called Blue Letter Bible. And it's a great study tool. It's for free. And it's a great way to study uh, the language, the original languages, Hebrew, Greek, and uh, Aramaic, that were written, the Bible was written, because we have our translations, and we have many of them, but when you go back to the original, sometimes it opens up or expounds it in a way that the King James or the New American Standard or New English or any other translation doesn't necessarily reveal it. Now, also, the Blue Letter Bible, it's a great, there's also another one that I use a fair bit. It's called Bible Hub. And that one, quite simply, if I type in a verse it will give me that verse in seven or eight different versions right off the bat. So I can see it in different ways that translators translated it. Um, it doesn't carry the message. It doesn't carry the passion translation, which are two of the more recent translations. And whether it's a translation or transliteration, don't send me an email. I'm not worried about that. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a message on how the Word of God, and some of it is just natural language that we can understand in today's language. Because I tried Siri yesterday, and I wrote some notes down, and one of them is, the right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. So I tried to, to put that in my notes. So I, my kids think I'm crazy, but I take up my phone, push record, and, I'll, and it records it, and then it translates, it dictates it. Well, Siri does not understand King James language. Doesn't understand doeth and wondereth. So when I said the right hand of the Lord doeth wonderfully, it says the right hand of the Lord do with valiantly. It, so some of the translations are just in today's vernacular. Isaiah 55, verse 11. I just want you to read this with me. Do we have it up here? Let's just read. And I'm just going to read these seven. There's six verses and then one passage. So let's just read this together. 
So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. Do you believe that? Whose word is that? It merits belief. So Monday, I want to encourage you. Monday, pick that up, read it, read it seven, eight, nine times so that you can memorize it, and that way throughout the day, you can just say, God, your word does not come back to you empty. It doesn't come back, but it goes and it accomplishes wherever you sent it. And it not only accomplished what, we're, it, it, it accomplished what you desire, and it will succeed where you sent it. I mean, if that's not a message in itself, I'm giving you like seven messages here in about five minutes. It does not return to me empty. Man, if we were in the south, we'd be dancing right now. Yeah. Okay, you don't want me to dance. It will, uh, it accomplishes what, who desires? God, I. This is God's word. Do you know God has a word that he wants to see accomplished in your life? <laughs> That's powerful. It's not just my idea. He's got some ideas for you. Melissa, right now, I'm just praying for James. He is not forgotten. Lord, I just speak health to James because your word has a desire for his life and your word does not come back to you empty. So we speak health to James. Cancer, I command you to leave, to shrivel up, to die, to put your tail between your legs and leave. Leave Abbotsford, leave this area. You are not permitted here any longer. And I speak strength to you, Melissa. You are carrying such a load valiantly, not with complaint. You're just, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I love him. We're going to be together. We're doing. I'm proud of you. I'm talking now just personally. I'm not talking. God's proud of you, but I'm talking about me. I'm proud of you. I want to encourage you. Take this verse. Take other verses on healing. And you just speak and say, God, that's what your word says. It's, it's as simple as that. It's not 17 steps. It's as simple as what does his word say. Next verse. Number two. Read this with me. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. That's for Tuesday. No weapon. No weapon. And one of the versions says, that's forged. People will, in fact, if you read this passage, God even says, you know what, I actually create the people that make the weapons. And, he, and he's not being negative, but he's just saying, he's the creator. But people will try to cause something and fabricate something and make something and manufacture something and forge something, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So Tuesday morning, put Tuesday beside this. I'm giving you seven of them. You don't have to do all of them in one day. Just do one a day. This is your prescription. Dr. David, and that's small d and small r. <laughs> no weapon. Who here believes that? Because you actually receive what you believe. This is my predominant thought. It says in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to see transformation, start changing the way you're thinking. 
and meditate on his word. Moan it. When they're, when they're making the, the weapon against you and you see it happening because you walk right beside them and you see that, moan if you have to, groan if you have to, mutter if you happen, have to. If that's all that you can muster, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. If that's all you can say, say it like that, but say his word. Are you receiving it this morning? I'm giving you seven verses, six verses in one passage for this week. I'm not, I, I don't want to make it complicated. I'm giving you the address and we're going to read it and then it's up to you for this week to see it happening. Because I believe this week things are going to happen. Because that's where my thoughts go. Daniel 11, verse 32. He's here so I figured I might as well give a shout out to Daniel. Amen. There's no book of David, but he wrote a lot. <laughs> and my brother Steve and John, they're two of the disciples, so that's, that ain't too bad. Daniel 11.32, and if you want, this, this is an interesting context. This is talking about, uh, some people believe it, future and end times. We're not going to go all there. But what I want you to see is that there are some things that might be happening around you, and God is aware of what's happening around you. He's not freaked out. And so I want you to look at the end of the verse, but I don't want to just do that. I want you to see, by smooth words, he will turn the godliness, godlessness, those who act wickedly towards the covenant, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. The people who know their God, it says in some versions, will do mighty exploits. The people who know their God will do strong activities, mighty deeds. Whenever you see the word but, check which side of the but you're on. Always check which side of the but you're on. And I'm on the right side, not the wrong side. But the people who know their God get to know him. Because when you get to know him, you get to know what he's thinking and what he'll do. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think there's some believers that we have trained that are spiritually illiterate. Because they come to church, and I'm not talking our church, I'm talking church in general, and they expect the pastor to do everything, but you are believers, you are a royal priesthood, you have ministry yourselves. And the traditional model of church from years and centuries and decades and millennial has been the pastor is the one that feeds. And that may have an aspect and a truth to it, but we are feeding the New Testament believer has authority, has power, has might. Every single one of you is equipped and, and, and has God's hand on you. So it's not just the pastor, it's the people. The people who know their God. That's Wednesday. Now we're going to go to Thursday. Number four. On Thursday. And this is actually written from the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're reading from 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. But it's also, if you wanted to look for it, you'd find it in Isaiah 64. And it says, but just as it is written, join me here. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Man, you haven't even seen it, heard it, or understood all that God's got for you. Think about that. There are good days ahead. There are good days ahead. This is Thursday. Read that a few times Thursday morning and then go out through the day and just think, you know, I hasn't, my eyes haven't seen, my ears haven't heard everything. I, I don't even know the extent of what God has for me. 
And what I do know is amazing. And it's like, if that's amazing, and all I'm seeing is just a little, little bit, a grain, compared to the mountain of His goodness, because He's going to be forever. And we're not going to get tired of being around Him. And it shows us and says that we, He just keeps revealing Himself. So for eternity, I'm going to be getting to know Him more. And not just for the first two years of eternity, but for the gazillion years and year bazillion one and year eternity two and year infinity and beyond. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on getting to know Him and His amazing love for me and the manifold wisdom that He got. Think about that. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and that has not even entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. To me, I'm going to start loving him. Friday, number five, fly day. Apparently it's supposed to be hot, so maybe Friday is accurate. Friday, Joshua 1 verse 8, write this down. Joshua 1 8 for Friday. I'm just, I just want to read the scriptures to you. That's most of my sermon. Well, I've said a lot, but the sermon, I just, I can't go wrong reading his word. And you can't go wrong hearing it. So, I don't need to add too much to it so much as I just need to keep rehearsing it and reading it. So, let's read Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. It's not God's job for you to be successful. It is not God's job for you to be successful. It's your job. Here it says, when you take his law and you meditate on it day and night, when you talk about it day and night, then, and you're careful to do according to all that's written, don't just do one little bit, but do what his word says. When you do that, it says, then you will make your way prosperous. We blame God for uh, poverty, but sometimes we're not doing what his word says. I'm not just giving you like yogurt this morning. This is stuff to put your teeth to and to chew and to meditate. I want you to think about this. I want to challenge your minds this week. God's word is powerful. And he says, when I meditate on it and I obey it and I'm careful to do what's written in it, because I don't do what I want to do. I'll be honest with you. I do what his word says. And there are times when I have to take corrective measures to my thinking and my life. Because his word says, David, that's not what you're supposed to do. I don't do what I want. I do what he wants. We have made the gospel so user-friendly. And we've defined it based on our terms. And then we wonder why sometimes we're powerless. Take his word. Do what his word. His word says if I need to forgive somebody, you know what? I'm not going to make excuses for being angry with them. I'm going to come and I'm going to say I will forgive them. If his word says love my enemy, I'm going to love my enemy. It took me a while, but I'm going to love my enemy. Because his word governs, and when I do what his word says, I get the result of what his word says. And his word says, when I do according to all that's written, then he'll make my way prosperous, then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have success. And this is before they went in and conquered the land. So Friday, you've got a huge assignment because you've got to start thinking about the land that God wants you to conquer. My wife agrees with me. That's good. We're going to have a long ride. At least she agrees with me. Saturday, Psalm 1. 
We're just about done, and then we're going to have the offering and announcements. Psalm 1. The whole psalm is great, but Psalm 1, verse 3. It, it talks about, blessed is the man. And it says, he will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Meditate on that. Go to a stream and see a tree that's blossoming by the river and then say, that's the picture God has for me. And I'm going to prosper. And I'm going to be successful. Why? Because I'm firmly planted. I don't stick around with the associate with those that are not the ones I should associate with. Verse 1 and 2 talks about who not to hang out with. Law of association. You're known by the company you keep. Who you hang it with. And then the last one is 10 verses, and I want to read that together, and there's like 10, so I'm going to read it slowly. This is Sunday, next Sunday, because you should have devotions on Sunday morning as well. Thank you. You should have devotions on Sunday morning as well. It's a seven-day week. Ooh. That was just my knee. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's going to get healed, but it's not healed yet. Proverbs 3, 1 to 10. We're going to read this, and I'm going to stop it because I'm going to show you 11 things in 10 verses that God wants for you. Write these verses down. Take your phone. Don't text somebody, but write these verses down. Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 10. We're going to start reading it. And I may mess you up a little bit, Cora, just because I'm going to stop and, and whatever, but I'm not going to try to do too much commentary. I'm just going to emphasize. My son and my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now, this is talking about the rewards of wisdom. For length of days, length of days, years of life, and peace they will add to you. Three things right there. Length of days, if you want a highlight. Length of days, years of life, and peace they will add to you. Now, verse 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them about your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Verse 4. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. That's amazing. This is a reward of wisdom. This is a reward of listening to his word and doing his word. You're going to get favor in the sight of God, who I would suggest to you is the best one to give you favor. And man ain't too bad either. But it's like God and man. These, these are another, number five, four, find favor. Number five, good repute. Number six, in the sight of God and man. Verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse six, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's the seventh benefit. Who here would like straight paths? Man, I hate crooked paths. Straight is so much easier. Verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Number 8 and number 9 is going to be healing to your body. Who would like some healing to their body? The scripture tells you how. Don't argue with me. Argue with the scripture. It just says, turn away from evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. You're going to get healing to your body, and your bones are going to be refreshed. Verse 9, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with? 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 
Your barn and how much you have is directly related to what you give. And I'm not asking for money. I'm telling you how you can increase. God is my source and my supplier. I appreciate it when people give, but my desire for you to give is not to fill some coffers. My desire for you to give is so that your barns would be full with plenty. And I would be remiss if I do not give you some keys on how to get more. As your pastor, I stand before God, and one of his things is he's a prosperous, plentiful, abundant God, and the way that I can tap into that is that I give of the first fruits and of all my substance. Everything he gives me is his anyways. I am just a steward of what he has. And I'll be honest with you, I don't live based off 10% tithe. That's, I'm just going to be honest with you, that's my starting point. My parents taught me that. Children, you're here, I love it. Learn how to give. Learn how to give. If you work and you get an allowance of $1.50, learn how to give 15 cents of that to God. And we will be happy to count the dimes, the pennies, the nickels. I will be happy to count every child's off because what you're doing, parents, is you're teaching them how to get and grow in wealth. And if I, I'd rather you have money than the enemy. I trust you a whole lot more than I trust the sleazebags that do dirty deeds and evil things. I'd, I'd rather see you have money and misappropriate it and make a mistake with it and buy something when you should be giving it to God. I'd rather see you do it than the enemy and somebody who's doing pornography and other stuff. I'd rather see God's kids get it and learn how to handle it. I'm not afraid to talk about money. The Bible talks about it, and he wants to give it to us, but he says, in order for me to give it to you, have the attitude that you are a giver. We're going to have an offering in a moment. It just so happens, it just so happens to be that. But I, I can't, I believe in tithing. But to me, tithing is the beginning. To me, tithing is the beginning. When Jesus came, he gave it all. So that's the standard that I work to and I live to. And I'll be honest with you, I've given more than 10%. And I live a life that is pleasing to my Father. We have a garden this year, and the garden is crazy. My daughter planted seeds. And, and you know what I found? Is planting the seed is actually easier than getting the harvest. Think about that. We complain and argue and fight about giving 10% and putting a seed in the offering. I would suggest to you, get the headache of the harvest. I, my mind has been changed, and, and I'm challenging myself to look at what does a harvest look like. It will look like work. It's going to look like sweat. It's going to look like the rain coming down or the sun beating on my back, pulling out weeds. But I tell you, I had a blueberry from my garden. And I call it mine because I was part of making it. And nothing tastes better than a blueberry from your garden. Carrots. Oh, my Lord. I don't want to buy carrots. I want to grow carrots. They taste phenomenal. Get ready for the harvest that God has for you. And you get ready for it. By doing, it's actually not as hard as you think because he actually says he gives seed to the sower. <laughs> so it's like he gives me the seed, so it's not even mine. I get to plant it. I get the harvest, and I get to just do it again. 
we've got so many zucchini, we don't know what to do. We might change our last name to Zupanzik because we got so much. And I hear they like them. There's nothing better than eating the fruit from your own garden. I'm a little bit over time. Your barns will be filled with your barns will be filled with plenty. And then he goes and he doubles it and your vats will overflow with new wine. Meditate on that. Amen. Do you receive that this morning? Or nine minutes after 12 this afternoon? Pastor Daniel.